We're live in three, two... Live, baby. Welcome into Leather Brain. As always, your host here, Slapdog, and I am joined today by my very good friend, Yeti. And we are very close to NFL season. Yeti, how are you feeling about that? Slaps, Brainiacs, the wait is almost over. We are eight days away from kickoff, baby. Gosh. Eight days. It's really, oh. it's crazy when you when you think about it, because I remember like at the end of the Super Bowl, and I'm like, what am I, what are we going to do for the next x amount of months this is terrible so it's right around the corner we just had our uh our league of record draft yesterday how are you feeling about that i don't we won't have to go into the team semantics of it but i did want to pick your brain because we really didn't get to talk so how uh how are you feeling about your your draft this year you know it's funny because you uh you myself and scotty we did a lot of mock drafts leading up to this home league and the mock drafts went completely different in the fucking home league way. They always do. A lot of a lot of running backs came off the board early that we did not expect. A lot of wide receivers that might have been there in later rounds went earlier. So uh, that's why uh, you know we kind of preach on this on this podcast that going into a draft with no strategy is sometimes the best strategy because you think one thing will happen, but then the other thing happens. So you just got to be on your toes. You do, and that's exactly what happened last night in our uh, draft. It, it was, and I was like, man, like we. I mean, we did. I don't know, probably 20 at least mock drafts on this thing. And we're like, okay, these people are falling. Like this person will pretty consistently be around where I'm looking to get him. And then we get to draft time and I'm like, nobody that I was even planning on was. So it was crazy. It was fun. I, I enjoy, uh, I, I think draft day for me is like Christmas. Like it's the best. It's, it is absolutely the most fun. I love draft day. So it was a good time to talk to everybody, hang out with everybody. And, uh, and it's always fun. So I hope that everybody who is upcoming to their draft day listens to this episode, though, because we do have a lot to talk about that is going to directly pertain to their fantasy football draft. So today we are going to be talking about our landmines and our flag plants for each and every round. We've we've brought in a couple different players to the table here that we're really targeting in each round, as well as people that were fading in each round. And we're going to kind of go into some reasoning as to why. Before we do that, we also have some news we need to talk about. Of course, Jonathan Taylor. I'd love to talk about that situation because very very interesting and i probably have a rant that i've been building up inside of me so we're going to be talking about that trey lance got traded so we really need to discuss that josh jacobs there's a whole lot going on so without further ado let's get down to business buddy hey boys let's get down to business as i mentioned jonathan taylor i think i think we just need to talk about it yeti let's kick it off with this because john taylor is staying with the colts i have a rant I have, like I said, I've been building this up. I think you kind of knew this was coming because I had discussed it a little bit in our chat. I put out a tweet this morning on our Leather Brains account. Before I go off on a tangent, do you have anything you would like to say? Well, all I'm going to say is I'm going to be Dr. Yeti in this situation. And I just want you to rant. rant okay. To Thank you, you know, so much. I appreciate that. Good. Welcome to my office. <laughs> let's let's get the tension out. Let's, okay. Let's, get let's talk it about it. On air. Sure. Yep. So. We had found out that two teams had made legitimate offers for Jonathan Taylor, right? None of it materialized by the Tuesday deadline. Colts running back Jonathan Taylor. He has an ankle injury, so he now is on the, the physically unable to perform list for the Colts. It knocks him out for the first four games. So ADP-wise, that already it hasn't really fluxed much, but there's some concern there, and we'll talk about that a little later. But he's he's still with the Colts. 
it news breaks that Jim Irsay was uh, when he was talking to the Dolphins and the Packers. These were the two teams that were really looking for legitimate trade offers for Jonathan Taylor. Packers are gross. I I wouldn't have liked that trade. I'm glad that didn't happen. But the Dolphins one, I was I I would have been okay with. News breaks that Jim Irsay was asking for like Jalen Waddle for this trade, right? He I mean he was asking for egregious and outlandish outlandish trade proposals to try and move Jonathan Taylor. Here's what I don't understand. First and foremost, why on God's green earth you would ever trade Jalen Waddle for Jonathan Taylor? That's And I don't know the exact semantics. Maybe there was some picks involved. But regardless, it's not fucking happening. Jalen Waddle is the future of that Dolphins wide receiver room. Plain and simple. Right now, Tyreek Hill is the wide receiver one. Tyreek Hill has stated that he will not be playing in the NFL much longer. He's got a couple years left in the tank. So knowing that... Do we not think that the Dolphins are going to try and get a deal done with Jalen Waddle? Very obviously, they're going to try no matter what. But he is he's a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL, right? So you have that. You know that he's young and he's talented. And you're trying to trade Jonathan Taylor away, a running back that we are we know does not have as high of a shelf life. You're trying to, to trade that. So I, that, incredibly foolish, really stupid. But here's where it gets really, really frustrating for me. Is Jim Irsay not only is he just not shooting himself in the foot by by this entire situation because he's telling Jonathan Taylor I don't want to pay you I'm not going to pay you because you're a running back you're gonna get hurt you don't have a high shelf life and I don't want to spend a lot of money on you but then he goes around and he says hey see this shiny toy that I have here Jonathan Taylor he's worth a lot I want Jalen Waddle for him so that doesn't make any sense to me as to why. If you really wanted to trade him, all you're doing is telling teams, hey, I'm not super interested in this guy. I'm not, I, and, and it's not like his dirty laundry is not aired out. Very obviously, all NFL teams know the Jonathan Taylor situation at hand. So for him to not sign a contract, him to tell Jonathan Taylor to his face, you're not worth much, and then try and get the entire farm plus some for him in return doesn't make any sense to me. I think it's really stupid. And I think this is a really, really unfortunate situation for Jonathan Taylor moving forward. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And on my drive home today from work, I was kind of thinking about this situation a little more. And there's two things I want to talk about with Jim Irsay. I think, one, Jim Irsay comes from the old manager standpoint of you signed a contract, you better honor that contract. We gave you four years, you know, X amount of dollars. You are going to play for those four years. And then we'll talk about it afterwards. And then two... It's like Jim Irsay is kind of hoping, at least I'm thinking, that he hopes that this situation can be rectified because Jonathan Taylor is, mm. he's a stud, right? He is one of the best running backs in the league right now, and he knows that very well. He knows that Jonathan Taylor is a heart and soul of this team, and so it's kind of foolish to give him up. I'm, I'm not a fan of Jim Irsay by any means. I'm just trying to reason why you know, he might be doing this because Jonathan Taylor doesn't have leverage in the situation, but Jim Irsay is also losing any trade value that he could get out of Jonathan Taylor by sitting him for four weeks. And that, I think that needs to be acknowledged, right? And and this is why, in, in the tweet that I put on our, our, on the Leatherbrains account this morning, I kind of alluded to this. When you, when you think about it, what's the best case scenario for the Colts right now, right? Like let's, let's just, let's walk through this. Let's say, hypothetically, 
Jonathan Taylor does not play this year. Would it be a really boneheaded move on his part? Absolutely, because he's going to lose a shit ton of money. But let's just say, for all intents and purposes, he's not going to play this year. Okay? So he sits out. What do the Colts do this upcoming season? They're going to franchise tag Jonathan Taylor, right? Because he still intrinsically has value, even though he's been a year removed from the game of or the game of football. So now the Colts franchise tag him. Jonathan Taylor says, fuck it, I'm not signing that tag. And the only reason that they franchise tag him is to try and trade him and squeeze the juice out of the lemon. Okay? So they do that. Do you not think that his value will be less than it is right now? You know what I mean? So, like, why would you not just go ahead and say, you know what? Fine. We will make a trade. We will get him off roster. He doesn't want to be here. We really don't see a future with him anyway because we don't want to pay him. Take the value and run with it. And I don't, like I said, I don't know exactly. Now, the Waddle thing is absolutely atrocious, but I don't know what other negotiations were going on as far as the back and forth of the 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 value in which they were going back and forth on. If it's a second round pick or a second round pick plus whatever the case is, why would you not just take that value now and just move on with it? Because you know that down the road, you're going to have issues with this guy anyway because he doesn't want to be there. So, and even if Jonathan Taylor does play, that's best case scenario for the Colts. But it also doesn't help Jonathan Taylor at all because all it does, if Jonathan Taylor comes out and he does incredible this upcoming season, let's say after he gets off the pup list and he comes out and he's the league leader for for rushing and touchdowns and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All that does is kind of hurt Jonathan Taylor, does it not? Because now he's for certainly going to put a target on his head. And I don't know if that's a word, but it sounded good when I said it. He's going to put a target on his head and he's going to get franchise tagged, right? And so he gets franchise tagged and then teams aren't going to want to pay him. And then he's still going to be stuck playing either on that tag while he wants to look for a deal or a team pays for him. And that probably isn't realistic because Teams aren't paying for him right now, whatever the Colts are as asking prices. You know what I mean? So, like, this is really just an ugly situation all around, and I don't know how this looks moving forward for Jonathan Taylor or the Colts. And unfortunately, it's not going to get any better in the near future because I read something in the fine print uh, as, as the pup list goes. It says, if you miss more than six games on the pup list, your contract year is voided. So if he misses six games this year, basically this contract year or this contract or this year didn't happen. So it would basically be like his fourth year would start next year and then he could be franchise tagged on top of that again. So obviously that creates a problem in itself for Jonathan Taylor because he's handcuffed at this point. But it it also kind of I'm not saying this is Jonathan Taylor's fault, but. I think him and the agent were trying to game Jim Irsay a little bit by saying, oh, Jonathan Taylor, his ankle. Yeah, he's still kind of banged up from that. Um, so he's not going to practice. He's going to report. He's just not going to practice. So the Colts at that point, once the agent and the player report an injury, the Colts hold the right to kind of handcuff Jonathan Taylor and say, OK, you're going to go on the pup list. You're going to go in the IR because we don't think you're ready to play. So it, it, it's a very shitty situation that I don't think is going to get resolved in the next month, at least. So, I, I mean, and I don't know if you know this. I don't know this. But who who keeps him on that pup list? Is it the team then? So, like, after the yep, four weeks? The it's, so then, I mean, they hypothetically could do that. And then this gets really ugly. Like, this is not a good situation for him. And for a young, very talented, top three running back in the NFL, 
this is a big problem for him because it seems like he's either going to play with the Colts or he he might not play. Yeah, and as far as fantasy goes, I know our league of record we drafted yesterday, and Jonathan Taylor he fell to the sixth round. Um, you know, obviously the contract situation is a big slap in the face, but if he misses four games, um, including you know we we had risk with Jonathan Taylor before this happened because. Anthony Richardson is going to take away carries. So we think from Jonathan Taylor. So I don't know where I'd feel comfortable touching him as far as fantasy goes. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, the sixth round is not terrible, in my opinion, just because if he does play, you just hit a banger, right? I mean, you hit a home run right there. The issue being is, is he going to play? Now, at the right. sixth round, I think I'd probably, or even this, like maybe if we get into the seventh round, I'd certainly be interested in, in buying in the possibility for that. Whereas current ADP is, as we're going to talk about here when we go to our landmines and, and flag plants, I'm not touching him. And I don't think you should, because I think there's intrinsically a lot of, of uh, potential hurt for you in the future if you do. So it's a nasty situation. It's not one that there's not going to be an end in sight for this. I'm sure we're going to talk about this at great lengths as we continue throughout the season of the NFL. But I, I feel bad for John Taylor, to be honest with you. And I, I kind of am. I understand it from a business perspective for the Colts because he is valuable. But why would you not just take good value while you can and just move this guy off roster and just just be done with it? Because it's it. This could get really ugly. There's no end for either party in sight, and it just it sucks. It sucks for everyone. So, and if you own Jonathan Taylor in any dynasty leagues or redraft leagues, just know that Doctor Yeti is here for you. Yeah, I, I think you got to hold him if if that's the case. Unless you can get some good value for him, I don't think you. A lot of people are really interested in buying him at this current juncture. Mm-hmm. He's a hold. So, Doctor Yeti, get a. Uh, Get the feelers out and, and spread spread some love to all those people that are suffering because I know that they're me included. I am. It sucks. I have Jonathan. My Taylor. hotline is available at any time. You're a kind man. Josh Jacobs. Let's talk about him real quick. You're our resident Raiders fan. And Josh yeah. Jacobs signed a one year deal. So it was not a franchise tag that he signed, but he signed a one year deal worth up to twelve million dollars. Pretty exciting, I think. I think it was probably due time for him to report to camp and get ready for the season because he hasn't been there yet. I'm excited for Josh Jacobs. I'm excited for, I I think, ADP-wise, he's he's pretty fairly valued. I'm interested in obtaining Josh Jacobs where he's currently being drafted at. I don't know how you feel about this, but I, I was happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. Last week uh, on the podcast, I said that Josh Jacobs was probably going to report sooner than later, and boom. Uh, less than a week later, he signed his deal, and it's almost like I knew something. Gosh. No, you're like a, you're a wizard, man. Good job. You're a doctor job, and Eddie. a wizard. Um, yeah, that's right. But I just want to note on this contract, uh, it is one year for twelve million dollars. But it's important to note that uh, obviously he can be franchise tagged again next year. But the way that his contract is laid out is if he gets franchise tagged next year, his contract is going to be worth fourteen million dollars. So some people might say, oh, you know, holding out really didn't do anything. But in, in fact, if he holds out or if he gets franchise tagged next season, he's looking at a nice payday again. So um, I think obviously real life stuff aside for fantasy, uh, his ADP has gone up a little bit. He's now being drafted as RB6, which was I think he was just 
crack in the top 10 before this news. So he's slowly rising. And I think he is a smash play as we'll talk about a little bit later. Absolutely. Um, next piece of news. Not great. It's Jerry Judy. He's injured. And uh, he, he, there is some good, there's a lot of light at the end of the tunnel here. So he's expected to miss several weeks with a moderate hamstring injury. Good news for those that drafted him. It was not an ACL tear. It was not a, a, it's just an injury. It's moderate, but it's not severe. That's good news. Bad news is obviously very well he is hurt. You want to be on the optimistic side of things. He was not put on the pup list, which is the physically unable to perform list, which means that he will not miss for the, I think the Broncos are not expecting him to miss the first four weeks. So Judy fell in our draft a little bit. I was really excited about that because, and, and we'll touch base on that a little later as well, like you said with Josh Jacobs, but I don't hate where, where I got him at. It sucks that he is, has an injury, but it's not, as I mentioned just a moment ago, it is not severe. It's just a moderate injury and the Broncos are expecting him to play within the first four weeks. So good news, bad news. Take it for what it's worth. Next up, Scary Terry, very quickly. He's got a toe injury and is uncertain for week one. This injury is typically a multiple-week injury. John Dotson, baby. John Dotson to the moon. Get him out there. If you uh, if you have not drafted him and you were around there and you're like, oh, he's still here, I'd probably draft him because I, I think John Dotson, there's an argument to be made that he could be the wide receiver one for this team. So, And I'm a big Scary Terry truther, but this news kind of concerned me a little bit. Obviously, a lot of reports are coming out that, oh, he'll be fine, he'll be fine. But this is a turf toe injury that really doesn't have a time frame. You know, we look back to Devontae Adams when he was with the Packers a few years ago. Dude had turf toe and he just wasn't himself. He wasn't the elite wide receiver that we had grown to love because he was dealing with the turf toe. So uh, I think this is a situation we can monitor. And I, as of right now, I'm not drafting Terry where he's... Um, currently going so keep your eyes peeled for Dotson and monitor the scary terry situation if you have them yeah for sure it happened yeti trey lance has been traded to dallas thank god trey lance is no longer a 49er i have a little bit of thought and and maybe some i don't want to call it analysis but a little bit of analysis on this so when you first heard this news what did you think Thank God it's over. <laughs> Thank God we no longer have to talk about, oh, is Trey Lance or Brock Purdy going to start? Yeah. Um, but in all honesty, I think this is a, a great situation for Trey Lance, and it kind of gets him out of the light for a little bit, where he can kind of learn an offense. He's given a chance to to grow, to adapt to the game instead of being thrown to the wolves right away. So I'm happy for Trey. I'm glad the situation is done, and I'm ready to move on. <laughs> did, okay, did, let me ask you this. Did you like the landing spot for Dallas, and do you think it has any impact for Dak Prescott? I think Dak is fine. I mean, I think the way the Cowboys looked at this, this situation is we could potentially get a an elite prospect for a fourth-round pick. Let's see what we got, and let's try it. I don't think Dak is in any jeopardy um, at this current juncture, but you know, if Trey Lance comes in and he has a, a great – I mean, at this point, he doesn't really have a training camp, right? He's just trying to learn the offense, and he's probably going to be messing with the practice squad. So I don't think Dak's job is at any risk. Unless he comes out and he just looks god awful, yeah. Then we will probably hear the Lance rumors a little more. But as of right now, I think it's a good opportunity to just learn. I agree. The game and I think 
you know, when I heard this, I initially was like, oh, man, I don't know. And, and I it took me a moment to step away or step back from the situation and just look at it from a realistic perspective. And I think it actually makes a lot of sense. So, like, 49ers fans are absolutely pissed off. They're like, we spent three first-round picks. Kyle Shanahan's a terrible coach for doing this and not trying to develop Trey Lance and this, this, and this. Here's my argument. It's not your problem anymore, right? So, like, there's, and I can tell you very candidly exactly what was going to happen, Yeti. Brock Purdy starts the season, right? He starts out, he's doing okay, and then he starts to have a blunder, and he starts to maybe get in a slump. But I'm not saying that's going to happen, but let's say it, it it's, it's a possibility. The sophomore slumps are coming, right? So, four games down the road, he's only won two of them, he's made some big mistakes, and guess what starts to happen? The, the media starts to get involved and they say, is this where you start thinking about maybe putting Trey Lance in? Do you think Trey Lance maybe should have a shot here because Brock Purdy's starting to have some issues. Mr. Irrelevant is starting to become irrelevant, right? So that whole narrative gets spun in the media. That's going to affect the locker room. That's going to affect Brock Purdy because he, the guy you named your starter is now sitting there in question saying, is the next time I fuck up the last time that I have an opportunity to play on the gridiron? So for the 49ers to say, hey, look, let's get rid of this potential problem that is probably going to happen. Let's get rid of it before the season starts, because I don't want this sophomore quarterback to have any sort of issues. I don't want him to be double thinking himself and making poor mistakes and poor choices with this Trey Lance stuff looming over his head. So let's trade away Trey Lance. Yeah, we did spend three first round picks on him and it didn't work out, but we found our guy. We found the guy that we want for our organization and that is Brock Purdy. So if that's the case, let's move on from Trey Lance and guess what? They got rid of the whole problem. So now that narrative cannot be spun. Now Brock Purdy doesn't have to second guess himself every time he makes a mistake and the media can't sit there and spin that narrative and it affect the whole locker room. So I, I overall, I like this situation and for Trey Lance, it's not a bad situation. Go to the Cowboys. I don't think Dak Prescott's that great of a quarterback. Is Trey Lance going to come in week two and kick the door down and say, welcome in, bitch, I'm the new quarterback? Absolutely not. But you know what he could do? Develop. And maybe one day he could eventually see a starting role. You know, so that that's where I'm at with the whole thing. I think it was a good idea for them. And like you said, it's a fourth round pick. I see Dallas fans all pissed off about it. I'm like, who were you getting in the fourth round? All right. you did was buy a guy that... A couple years ago, was a team spent a shit ton for him. You're getting a backup quarterback probably in the fourth round anyway. So go ahead and take him. Let's see what you got. And I so overall, I think it was a good idea. I'm glad that it happened. And I think 49ers and Dallas fans should should both be pretty content with it. So that's, that's the I end think, of my rant on that one. I think the biggest issue I have with this trade and all the fallout from it is the way that the media has been spinning it. Because when Trey was with the 49ers, it, all the talk that we heard was, oh, he's a bust. He's the biggest bust in NFL history. He's not. He, he's a third string on the 49ers. But the second he gets traded to the Cowboys, is Dak's job in jeopardy? <laughs> what What happened? Like, Did we just switch our minds all of a sudden that Trey Lance is a day one starter and he's going to replace a guy who's been in, in Dallas for five years now? Really? Yeah. Like, is that what we're going to do now? So that's my biggest gripe with the whole situation. 
I I hate the way I love the media, but I hate it sometimes. I really do. That's a great point, you know, because you're sitting here on one side of the fence screaming one thing. And as soon as something else happens, it's like, oh, my God, he's the best thing since sliced bread. And and pick a pick a side and stick with it. You know what he is. We all know what Trey Lance is. And and I, I do wish the best for him. I really do. And I think that Dallas is a good spot for him to hopefully continue to develop, get a fresh start and and just kind of put the 49ers behind him so happy for him and and like i said i think it was a good move by the 49ers organization overall as well so yeti let's uh let's go ahead and bust baby let's talk about our landmines and our flag plants lord have mercy i'm about to bust man that felt good my favorite drop so as i mentioned we have our flag plants and our landmines. So when we say flag plants, we're talking about the guys that we are planting our flag and we want to draft them in the round in which we are in. So we'll start from round one. We've, we've gone round one to round eight. And then we also have our landmines, guys to avoid because they're going to blow up and it's going to be bad. So without further ado, my friend, let's start off with round one. All right. I will take the reins on this one with my flag plant for round one. Um, obviously, you know, we could look at Jay Jets or Jamar Chase or, you know, Christian McCaffrey or whoever. Um, but I wanted to pick a guy that's kind of getting drafted later in the first round. And I'm not going to provide a whole lot of analysis, but I think Cooper Cup is a guy that is getting uh, he's going a little later than I expected. This is a guy that we argued could have gone number one last year. Um, and now he's getting drafted towards the end of the first round. I understand there's some concerns there with his injury, but um, Cooper Cup is back. He is back and he's ready to go with Matt Stafford, who from all accounts sounds ready to go. And so does this offense. Um, you know, Cooper Cup, he played in nine nine games last year. If he, if he would have stayed healthy, he would have finished with almost 400 PPR points. Uh, through the first nine weeks, the dude was top five for basically every stat out there, and he was second among wide receivers in PPR points. So I don't really have any concerns with Cooper Cup entering this year. I think down, last year was a complete down year for Los Angeles uh, with their whole offense going down, and I think they're going to bounce back in a big way. So I'm uh, planning Cooper Cup. Is there any concern? I know that he had had some a minor injury going into this this season, and he was out for a little bit. I want to say it was calf. Is that right? Um, he had a hamstring. hamstring excuse me. I, I mean, is that a concern for you when you're drafting Cup I, versus? I mean, other people that are named that are still around, Saquon Barkley, um, Travis Kelsey, perhaps. I mean, like, would you rather have one of those guys that are a little bit more secure as far as position than somebody who? is coming back from an injury with also a quarterback coming back from injury? I think Cooper Cup would be my third pick. Okay. Um, If Jay Jets and Chase were both gone, I would take Cooper Cup over any running back or any other wide receiver at that point. Okay. I think Cooper Cup is going to return to form, be a top three wide receiver, and with all the volume, it's hard to argue that he won't be. Sure. Because he's going to see at least 180 targets in that offense with no other wide receiver. Yeah. And we know that relationship that he has with Stafford. So I'm buying back in and I'm ready to get hurt. Yeah. For sure. Um, I'll join. I do just want to let you know, a hurricane is quickly approaching me. So if for whatever reason I lose you, Yeti, carry on without me. My internet and or electricity both have gone out. 
So I just wanted to preliminarily tell you that that could be a possibility. So I will now give you my round one flag plant. It's Justin Jefferson. And I don't think we need to go into a lot of detail about why. Very obviously, he's the wide receiver one. He was the wide receiver one last, uh, excuse me, last season. The only person to outscore him on season-long fantasy points was Austin Eckler last season, who finished four points higher. So I, I'm rolling with Ju- Justin Jefferson because it's it's very simple. He's the guy for that team. I wouldn't be surprised if he was chosen first overall in most leagues, and I think it's very fair. So not much analysis needs to go into why Justin Jefferson is my flag plan. But who is your landmine for round one? Who are you trying to avoid at all costs? Uh, Christian McCaffrey. I, I think he's the biggest landmine in round one. Uh, not because I don't like the guy. I think he's a great running back. I, he's probably a good guy, too, um, for, for what it's worth. You know? But yeah, I, I he, he certainly is. I, I just think my main concern with Christian McCaffrey is Kyle Shanahan is probably going to try to rest him in the early part of the season. They're not going to really let him loose until they have to towards the end of the season. So I think with a healthy Elijah Mitchell, it's going to be not a big split, but I think Elijah kind of splits into that workload a little bit. So I'm not as comfortable taking Christian McCaffrey this year. And it's funny because I also have Christian McCaffrey as my landmine going in and, and obviously we got to pick somebody for round one right and it, it to me it was christian mccaffrey for a lot of what you just mentioned as well as this offense has a lot of weapons man it really does and for me that is i don't want to say it's concerning but if i had to pick somebody in round one that i'm like i don't i don't get the warm fuzzies about it's cmc because while he is a great running back i do think that at, to begin the year they're not going to try and they're not going to risk him right? Why risk him until you absolutely need to? So yes, he will see playing time. Yes, he will be very effective. But I do think Elijah Mitchell will play a role in this. We saw it happen last season when when Elijah Mitchell was healthy. He was he was worked into the running game as well. There's a lot of weapons in this offense. And I just it kind of scares me. It concerns me a little bit. So I also have Christian McCaffrey as my my landmine for round one. Round two is going to get juicy, my friend. This is where it gets a little bit more interesting and maybe alludes to the title of the episode a little bit. So who are you bringing as your flag plant for round two? Uh, I'm going to bring St. Brown, the sun god himself, okay. to plant. Um, last year, I got hurt. I got hurt really bad slaps. I, I was all aboard the, the train that St. Brown only had success because Hawkinson was out, Swift was out. But my God, uh, St. God or St. Brown. St. God himself. A, <laughs> yeah, man. He's a, he's a God out there. He, he demands the ball with his route running and Jared Goff is happily feeding him. Um, the only set I really want to bring to the table table here with St. Brown is that in the last 17 or in 17 of his last 19 games st brown has seen nine or more targets which is fucking insane he is a target workhorse and i think he has the most upside outside of the top five wide receivers of finish wide receiver number one do you have any any trepidations with jameson williams coming back or is this kind of has this maybe eased your mind a little bit as far as drafting Amon Ross so early because Jamison Williams is suspended for the first six weeks. So, so there's not as much target competition in that way. I would say it, it eases my mind a little bit for touchdowns because I think Jamison is going to be used more as that vertical threat, right? He's going to be getting a, a higher a dot with Jared Goff, but I, I thought they would coincide a little bit where St. Brown eats underneath 
Jamison eats over the top, but with Jamison being gone for six weeks and dealing with an injury, I think this only benefits St. Brown's ability to finish as a top wide receiver. Yeah, no, I, I really love Amon Ra where he's the second round. If if you're on that turn, baby, I would be looking to grab him if he is available because everything points to him being just as successful again this year as it was last year. The only thing is Jameson Williams will come back in six weeks, and I'm interested. It doesn't concern me enough not to draft Amon Ra, but I am interested to see how how this offense changes and what, what that does for Amon Ra's fantasy football output once there is another very talented wide receiver on the field. So we'll see what happens there. My flag plant for round two is Josh Jacobs. We talked about him earlier, Yeti. I'm pretty excited for Josh Jacobs, to be honest with you. I love the value that he brings in the second round. He's being drafted. It has come up a little bit, but when we had wrote this and prepared for it, he was being drafted towards the end of the second round, which I thought was great because I I knew that they were going to get things done or had a very good feeling about it rather, but he finished his RB three last season. And I think there's a really great argument for him to finish top five this year. So he's got a one year deal done with the Raiders. He's got a fat paycheck with the team. So I think he's got to kind of prove himself again, kind of like he did last season where he says, Hey, I'm a really good running back. I need to prove that I'm still very, very valuable so I can get another contract with either another team and or the Raiders. So I really like that. My only concern is of course, Jimmy G. I don't think Jimmy G's great. But I think somebody's going to have to work the ball alongside Jimmy G. And very obviously, that's Josh Jacobs. He uh, he was the man last year, and everything points to him being the same again. So, landmine. Yeti, yeah, bring it. Man, I kind of want you to go first because I feel okay. like I'm going to feed off of you a little bit with my landmine. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. This is this is going to be fun. I'm just going to say it. Out, I'm, I'm going to... Uh, I'm ready. Scotty's not here. Alan's not here. I know. Let's I'm a hear. little disappointed because... There are resident Chiefs fans, and I'm about to suggest to all of the Brainiacs, don't draft Patrick Mahomes. And if you're if you're drafting Patrick Mahomes in the second round, you are making a mistake, period. And I'm going to go into why. So, very obviously, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is a bad quarterback. He is the best quarterback in the NFL. There is absolutely no question. But why is he a landmine? Look at the numbers. Mahomes is... He is the best quarterback, and he put up QB1 numbers every single week. He finished with 22, 25.2 points per game as the quarterback won last season. What the hell are you doing, Slapdog? Here's the interesting thing, Yeti. Patrick Mahomes, he didn't even finish with the highest points per game out of all quarterbacks last season. The only, really? He did not, no. Jalen Hurts finished with the number one points per game with 25.6. So he actually did better than Patrick Mahomes. Jalen Hurts just finished his quarterback three because he didn't play the last two games due to that minor injury, and they were about to go on a playoff run, and they didn't want their quarterback to get hurt. So they set him out. They played it safe. Very obviously a good a good thing to do, but Jalen Hurts on a per-game basis actually scored more points than Patrick Mahomes did on a per-game basis. Patrick Mahomes only finished his quarterback one because he played more games. So I'm not hating on taking a top-tier elite quarterback early, but Jalen Hurts is going a round later than Patrick Mahomes on average, as well as Josh Allen, who finished with a very respectable 24.2 points per game. So when you start to look at that, do the numbers make sense? Why would I draft Patrick Mahomes in the second round when I can get something of equal or close to equal value a whole round later? Are you doing it because he's flashy and fun to watch on TV? Sure. Okay. If you want to make that argument, go ahead and take him. I'm not going to tell you not to, but I'm going to tell you not to if you want to win your fantasy football leagues. Because it doesn't make sense. So let's let's just talk hypothetically for a moment, Yeti. 
So let's play a game. Let's say that you drafted Patrick Mahomes in the second round and a wide receiver in the third round. Okay, so Jalen Waddle, he's kind of going on a fringe third round areas where he's he's kind of being drafted at. We're going to use last year's numbers as as a uh, for this conversation. So Waddle, he averaged ten point eight points per game last season. So together, if you drafted Patrick Mahomes in the second and Jalen Waddle in the third, you would have gotten a total of six hundred and twelve points in total for fantasy last season for both these players. Okay, now. If you were instead to draft A.J. Brown in the second round and Jalen Hurts in the third round, and you assume that Jalen Hurts plays all the games that he did not, you finish with 646.8 points. So you finish with almost 30-something extra points. Now, obviously, you're going to point out the the holes in the story. Jalen Hurts didn't play two games. That's fine, but you can't predict injury. So if we're just using all of the numbers we have available, from a statistical standpoint – Drafting a quarterback in the second round is silly when you can get the same value in the third round from a quarterback and get a higher output in a different position around earlier. So does that make sense to you? I know for you probably does, but I I hope that I explained that well enough for all the brainiacs out there that are thinking about drafting Patrick Mahomes in the second round. Don't do it because you're making a mistake. Yeah, and to be fair, uh, in past episodes, I was on the side of, yeah, you can draft a quarterback early and you probably have an advantage. But as we started to mock and everything, I slowly realized that if you do not lock up a, if you don't get two wide receivers or one wide receiver and one running back, the talent dwindles down very quickly. Like I'm talking by the end of the third, you're probably looking at scraps unless you're in a home league where everybody's taking quarterbacks and tight ends early. But you're looking for, you know, not scraps. That's a terrible word. But you're looking at lower end wide receiver ones as starters when you should be getting studs that are available. Top 10 guys at at the wide receiver running back position, which is why I'm I listed Josh Allen as my landmine because he's also going in the second round. You, You mentioned it beautifully with Jalen Hurts going in the third round. Um, Hurts missed time because the Eagles were, they had their playoff position locked. So it wasn't even that he was hurt. I think he was actually dinged it was, up. But yeah, he it wasn't anything played. major, but it was yeah. enough for them to say, hey, why risk this with our guy? You That's know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So you could get Jalen Hurts around later or even Justin Fields. He's going in the fifth round. So if you're looking for that rushing upside, Justin Fields is right there, and I feel like Justin Fields is going to take a step forward with his arm, and even if he doesn't, he has that rushing upside that could equal Josh Allen on a weekly basis, in my opinion. So I'm not taking Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen that early. If they're available in the third round, okay. Maybe we're talking because now I have my choice of the top three quarterbacks with Jalen Hurts, Mahomes, and Allen. Yeah, so I'm taking it Josh Allen was your your landmine in round two it's it just doesn't make sense like wait just wait a little bit and let somebody else make that mistake because while they're making that mistake you're benefiting for it for taking somebody in the second round that has tremendous value and i'm not saying patrick mahomes doesn't i'm just saying where he's being drafted at you can wait and still see the same value if not a little bit better you know like i said jalen hurts he's a third round guy and he actually outperformed Patrick Mahomes in a per game basis. So for fantasy output. So wait. Don't get trigger happy and say, I want this guy. That's all I'm gonna say about it. Because I know that there's a lot of people that are very high on Patrick Mahomes. I understand why. He's the best quarterback in the NFL. And I'm not questioning that. But don't take him in the second round for fantasy unless you want to win. 
or don't take him in the second round of fantasy if you want to win, rather. There we, there go. we go. Round three, Eddie. Who's your flag plant you, for round three? I, I do have somebody that I'm pretty trigger happy about if I can fucking in round two? get him in round three. Okay. Actually. And his name is Tony Pollard. TP, baby. That, the toilet paper yeah. man. Uh, he's a little bit better than toilet paper. I would say he's probably the shit that is there on the toilet paper because he is raw, baby. Mm. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Tony Pollard, I think this is the year where he finishes as a top three running back. And I say that because we saw what he could do with Zeke in the lineup. Tony Pollard finished as a top 10 running back last season with Zeke. And I know we have this assumption about Zeke that he sucks and he's washed up and everything, which I'm not going to argue that. He's a center now, but by when, the way. Yeah, he's a center for the Patriots. Yes. yes. Starting so center. Congrats to Zeke. Yep. Um, but Zeke, when he was with Dallas, he was the goal line back. Um, last season, he took 26 carries away from Pollard in the goal line, whereas Pollard only had 12 carries in the uh, or on the goal line. So I think... You know, with without Zeke being there, Pollard is in line to see those snaps. And if he finished as a top nine or as a running back nine last season, I think he has easily top three upside this year. I, and that's all I really want to say about no, Pollard. It's, like, I, 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 I like know Pollard. I, Pollard is somebody I I'm targeting if I can get as well. So yeah. I didn't bring him as a landmine because we're trying to bring some conversation and some thought process for some of these players to all the brainiacs out there. But I, I agree with you there. And if I disagree with you at any point, I will certainly let you know, or maybe we'll have a deeper conversation about some of it. I don't think we need to with Tony Pollard. Cause we, you know what you're getting. Fight me. I, you're just scared. I am scared. I would no, not want to fight you, uh, nor would I want to fight Mark Andrews, who is my third round flag plan. I Mark Andrews to me is Travis Kelsey light. And when I say that, I think you're getting tremendous value in the third round. Mark Andrews, could be the tight end one this year. I really do believe that. And you're getting him two rounds later than where Travis Kelsey's being drafted at. I just, I, I think this is the, I, this is a great year for him. I love getting Marky Mark in the third round. He And if he didn't face the injury bug last season, I think that his ADP would probably be a little bit higher, if I'm being honest with you. I think he'd probably be a pretty early second round, early to mid second round guy if he didn't get injured. Because, you know, a lot of people in fantasy football, we live by the mantra of what have you done for me lately? And he hasn't done a lot for you lately because not only was he injured last season, Yeti, but also Lamar Jackson was as well. So kind of put that entire year into question. But I'm expecting this offense to look a lot different and a lot better. We saw finish Andrew. We saw Andrews finish as the tight end just a year ago. Not this last year, but the year previous. Mark Andrews was the tight end one. So let's look at the difference in why this has happened. Very obviously, Lamar, like I said, I mentioned, he has been hurt. But more importantly, Hollywood Brown is no longer in this offense. And I think that actually plays a pretty important role in why Mark Andrews was not as successful. Because Hollywood Andrew, or Hollywood, Hollywood Brown Hollywood Andrews, was the wide receiver one for the Ravens. They drafted Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman was being touted as the wide receiver one for this team, and he was not. So Ravens trade away Hollywood Brown. And now it's it's Rashad Bateman who has struggled to stay healthy, and Mark Andrews were really the only two prominent receiving people for this offense. So this offense now looks a lot different. OBJ is there, and I'm not saying he's great, but he's going to draw some defensive coverage. And Zay Flowers, who has looked pretty electric thus far and has made a name for himself already, as well as a healthy Rashad Bateman, I think that opens up the field for Mark Andrews, and I think it's a great opportunity for him to regain some of that 
fantasy football purpose that maybe he lacked last year. So I, I really like Mark Andrews in the third. I'm taking him if I can because that positional value is very, very important for fantasy, and I want any piece of it that I can get. So. And all I really have to say about this is I can confirm that Slaps is firmly in bed with Mark Andrews because that's where he goes every time. every time we mocked, and that's what he did in our uh, I did. draft the real draft. or League of Records. He came yeah. with me. I, I said, I'm taking yeah. you home. And he came home. And, and he's, he sure did. He slept in bed with me last night, and it was, it was very comfortable sleep. Oh, okay. Now, the person yeah. I'm avoiding in the third round, Yeti, is none other than uh, I, it's John Taylor. I mean, he's going in the third where he was. I don't know if his ADP has changed today, but when we first started this entire thing, it was John Taylor. And I don't really know if there's any more of an argument that needs to be made other than what we had previously discussed earlier. I mean, I think if you haven't listened to the very beginning of the podcast, rewind about 34 minutes in and go listen to the entire Jonathan Taylor conversation. I don't want to repeat myself and go on another rant because my blood's going to get boiled. But Jonathan Taylor very clearly is is a fade for me in the third round of this current juncture. Yeah, and I'm actually going to be fading another running back in this round, uh, Ramondre Stevenson. And I'm fading him because of the guy that I talked about with Tony Pollard. That's Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, I should say Zeke is is not the only reason why I'm fading him, but he's, he's one of the reasons. Um, Zeke coming into that offense is going to, hurt Stevenson at the goal line and is and obviously that hurts for touchdowns right but I also think it's important to note that last year Stevenson was the Patriots offense he was I mean they didn't have any wide receiver help they had Nelson Aguilar and Devontae Park who as their top wide receivers right now I'm not saying that they're going to be any better this year because they signed you know Juju and they got Zeke now but at least that gives them a little more help than they had last year and Bill um, O'Brien, he is their offensive coordinator, who I think is going to do a, a much more <laughs> better job than fucking Matt Patricia, who is a defensive coordinator. So I expect this offense to take a step forward, but I expect Stevenson's role to kind of regress a little bit, which I, I think includes Stevenson uh, falling outside the top 10 this year. Okay, I, I dig it. I did write up a thing on Najee Harris because he's another guy that still kind of concerns me. And it was for everything last season. I don't, I like I said, Jonathan Taylor is my avoid guy in the third round. Very clearly, he, he fell very far in our league of record. But Najee Harris, man, he's another guy that kind of still scares me. He was a PPR machine with Ben Roethlisberger, but guess who's not there anymore? Ben Roethlisberger. So he uh, he's one of the worst running backs as far as yards per carry, and it is very concerning to me. I think this offense is going to be a little bit better than it was last year. Najee did kind of end up getting a little bit better last season for fantasy purposes towards the end of the season, but it still kind of concerns me a little bit, makes me a little scared. So I think his ADP certainly has readjusted itself because last year he was a first-round pick, and we were trying to scream, don't touch him, and everybody who did regretted it. So third round, I'd feel a little bit more comfortable. John Taylor, like I said, he's my number one, but I, I would be looking for some other options before I grab Najee as well. And I'm just going to throw a little left jab at you, you know, not nothing, anything to hurt you, but I'm just going to see if I can get you in my range here a little bit. I know I'm your doctor, but I'm also your enemy right now. So (laughs) with Najee Harris last season, he, he entered the season with a Liz Frank injury. His foot wasn't right. And I'm not going to use that as an excuse for his inefficiency, but as the season went on, Najee got stronger. 
And from week 10 on, he finished as a running back seven overall in PPR. And that's largely due to the volume and the shift in offensive philosophy that we saw with Pittsburgh. They went from trying to throw the ball with a rookie quarterback to actually running the ball. And they ran the ball with great success, which I think is only going to benefit Najee. Now we're, we have a year under our belt with Kenny Pickett. He's going to enter his sophomore season, and I expect this offense to look a lot better than they did last season, which is only going to benefit Najee. Now, that doesn't really address his inefficiency concerns, but with this offense being better, I see them getting to the red zone more often, which includes Najee scoring at the goal line. So I'm okay with taking Najee at this current juncture. Okay. I See, uh, for me, I would rather wait later and get Jalen Warren. Um, he's somebody that I'm kind of looking at later because Jalen Warren, he saw the field last year and he didn't look terrible. He looked pretty explosive when he had the ball in his hands. I'm not saying he's going to take the spot away from Najee Harris, but I would be willing to take him in a later round and see, hey, what can this guy do and do they continue to get him more involved? That's where I'm at with it because I think that in some instances he looked better than Najee Harris when he had the ball in his hands. So that's that's my another small gripe that I have with him. I'm I just think there's other people in the third round that I'd probably be willing to take over Najee, which is kind of why I have him on that landmine list. So let's say, let's just play a little game real quick. Okay. Let's say you take a wide receiver in the first two rounds. Okay. If you need a running back, who are you taking? Are you going to take Najee or Travis Etienne? Travis Etienne. Would you take Najee or Ramondre? Hmm, that's where it gets interesting. I would probably, I'd probably take, uh, oh, I'd take Najee over Ramondre. Uh, right answer, right answer. Yeah. So, see, that's where some people might be, though. You know, sure. they start wide receiver, wide receiver. It's like, oh, shit, okay, maybe I need a running back at this current point. That's that's where I'd feel comfortable taking Najee as my RB1. Yeah, I guess it really – and it also depends on, you know, what your team makeup is, I suppose. But mm-hmm. that plays a large part in all of this as well. He's just somebody that if I had taken a running back in the first round, I, there's no way in hell I'm touching Najee in the third. So I suppose it depends on that on that front. Round four. Yeti, who'd you bring as your flag plant, my friend? Man, a guy that I want a big slice of in every league that I'm in get a p- is Keenan Allen. I want that whole fucking pie, man. With Keenan Allen, I know there's a lot of concerns with his with his age and trying to predict injuries and such, but I'm over that shit. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with it, man. I'm here to tell you that you know, fuck all that shit. Keenan Allen is here to stay, and I think he's going to play a huge obviously a huge role in this offense. Um, I've spoken at length of how I think this offense is going to look very good under Kellen Moore, who came over from Dallas. Um, If you haven't listened to past episodes, I highly recommend you go back because Kellen Moore is going to change the way that Los Angeles plays. Um, I see Keenan Allen filling the CD uh, lamb role uh, that, you know, we've grown to love over the past few years with CeeDee Lamb as a wide receiver one. And Keenan Allen hasn't shown any signs of aging. If you look at all of his efficiency numbers, he is still an elite wide receiver. And I expect Keenan Allen to see the bulk share of targets in that offense. And I want all of that. So if I'm getting him in the fourth round, sign me up. Where do you land on Quentin Johnson? 
See, he's one of those guys that I think he will play a role, but it's not going to be right away. I think it'll be later in the season as he gets more familiar with this offense and as he gets comfortable going up against elite guys week in and week out. And I don't mean that to dog on Quentin Johnson, but if you looked at him in college, what he was was just a go-getter. You know, you throw him the ball down the field and he's going to go get it. And I'm not saying that doesn't translate well to the NFL, but there is a huge learning curve. And that is true for all rookie wide receivers. They historically have started off very slow, but in the second half of the season, they have come on strong. And I expect that with Quinn Johnson. Um, and he he has some, um, you know, he has to go through Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Obviously, both have injury concerns, but as long as they're healthy, Quinn Johnson is a third option on this team, possibly fourth behind Austin Eckler. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think, and I drafted Quentin Johnson pretty late, and I felt really comfortable with it solely because if any sort of injury happens, I mean, we saw this Chargers offense last season, right? And I'm not dogging on your pick for Keenan Allen. Statistically, I don't know why he's this far down, to be honest with you, because other than his injury that he had last season, he has been very statistically successful. So I would still be, if you can get him in the fourth round, I'm totally fine with that, and I love that pick. But I also love Quentin Johnston really late because this team has struggled with health before. That's why they drafted Quentin Johnston is because they know that their their very talented wide receivers are aging and they're starting to have health issues. So they're trying to fill those holes now, which was really smart. And that's something they should have done. So Quentin Johnston, I don't think he's going to perform out of the gate like you said, but he's somebody that I'd be willing to just kind of set and forget on my bench if you have the depth to do so and just wait because if any sort of injuries happen, Josh Palmer was like the wide receiver one for the Chargers for many weeks because nobody else was in that wide receiver room. So in that way, I think it's a really good good idea to to stash him and see what happens. My flag plant Yeti is none other than Joe Mixon. So Joe Mixon in the fourth round, I I just I'm not upset with getting him at all. He's a very, very consistent RB2, and his situation really did not change much. So historically, he's been a three-down back. He gets involved in the passing game and in the Bengals offense, which is one of the best offenses in the NFL right now. I'm fine with that. It's a very high powered offense. Samaje P. Ryan is gone. Not that Samaje was really taking work away from him to begin with. Samaje was the backup that did very well when Mixon was hurt, but Mixon is a three down back. So getting a three down back in the fourth round, I love that. And I think if you're going wide receiver, wide receiver, Joe Mixon is definitely a target in the fourth round for me. So I, I really like the value that you could potentially get for him there. And Slaps, I just kind of want to stop for a second. And I, I want to note the current builds of our teams, you know, through four rounds, you know, you have Jay Jets, obviously, if he's there. Um, so you have a wide receiver, a running back, a tight end, and then a running back. So you have two running backs, a wide receiver and a tight end through four rounds is that how you like to start your drafts no. or no <laughs> no what I, so how would you like to go? I, I got how would you like to start i got mark andrews in the third round so i i was and this is in our league of record of course but i had i had the second overall pick so i was able to to kind of finagle it on the turn a little bit and so that's how i was able to manage that in an ideal world i'm taking wide receiver wide receiver that's what i'm doing in the first two 
two rounds rather. So, but it all depends on where you're drafting at. And that plays a lot of how your team makeup is going to look as well as what your league mates are drafting. You know what I mean? Because if your league mates, you can sit there and do mock drafts all day, but if a team takes seven running backs, very obviously nobody's going to take seven running backs in the first eight rounds. Like that's just not going to happen. So you can mock draft all day with, with robots, but it doesn't translate all the time. So like we talked about at the very beginning of the episode, you kind of have to go in. You can go in with a strategy. Be ready to pivot. Be ready to make changes. In an ideal draft for me, I'm taking wide receiver, wide receiver, and then I'm looking at who's available to me. Do I just take another wide receiver here in the third round because I can get Keenan Allen in the third round and have Keenan Allen, Justin Jefferson, and Amon Ross St. Brown? Yeah, that is an insane wide receiver group. And there are some running backs that I could target a little bit later that I still think are, they're not going to probably be a top 10 running back, but they're going to get me by and the wide receivers are going to carry me to a victory. So in an ideal world, I would take two wide receivers out of the gate and then kind of look for a, a third round. Where can I get some value? Right. And I know you had mentioned a running back here that you like Joe Mixon as your flag plant here in the fourth. I'm telling you there's a running back that you should fade in the fourth round, and that is Travis Etienne. Um, I think Travis Etienne is currently being drafted at his ceiling as running back 11 off the board. Um, and we're seeing Etienne at his current, I mean, that's, that's his absolute ceiling. And I say that because historically, Doug Peterson doesn't like to have a bell cow back. Last year was a, a, an exception in my opinion because Travis Etienne was the only running back in that offense after James Robinson left. Uh, prior to James Robinson getting traded, it was a clear split between the two. Um, no other running back on the roster obviously led, led Travis Etienne. It would carry the workload. He had 16 carries per game, 82 yards, and averaged half a touchdown a game. But historically, Doug Peterson... He doesn't feed his running backs, and the most carries per game was actually Miles Sanders in 2020 with 13 carries per game. Up until that point, no other running back in his four-year uh, career with Philly had more than 12 carries per game, and I think that's going to carry on to this season with Tank Bigsby, who is a guy that I'm pretty high on. I think Tank Bigsby is a guy that we should be targeting in later rounds, obviously not in the fourth or you know single-digit rounds, but if he's there in the 10th or 11th, I think he's perfect value. Yeah, I, I agree with, with everything that you just said. I, I'm i hard-pressed to believe that ETN still doesn't have usability in the offense. But, I, I, I mean, stats don't lie. Doug Peterson, prototypically, as you just mentioned, does not like to use one running back, so that kind of hurts. Um, I still like ETN just because I don't want to let go of the leash that has been success for him. But there, I also have a running back that I'm fading in the in the fourth round here, and it's Brees Hall actually so Brees Hall this might not be a popular opinion but Brees Hall kind of scares me to be honest so obviously I think he scares quite a few people as his ADP is currently where it is at but I just don't know if I want to risk it on Hall this season in the fourth round I the Jets are an extremely high-powered offense but Hall's coming back from an ACL tear and I that he suffered in week seven last year and historically when a running back comes back from a leg injury their season their, their first season back does not look too sharp. So we can look at J.K. Dobbins. He tore his ACL. He was really slow to come back last season and really didn't start to be uh, usable until towards the end of the season. Saquon Barkley, when he tore his ACL a couple of years ago, his following year was not that great. So you have both those guys. 
I think it's just it's pretty evident that the Jets aren't ready to just hand a full workload back to Hall. They signed Dalvin Cook to a one year deal, and very like they're not going to do that just to have him as roster depth. Like very obviously, Dalvin Cook's going to be used in this offense, right? So I wouldn't be surprised to see Cook get more of the workload, especially to begin the year as they try and ease Hall back into this offense coming back from an ACL tear. I don't know if Hall's going to be great this year. I really don't. And taking him in the fourth round, I, I'd much rather have Joe Mixon than, than Brees Hall going into the fourth round. So Yeah, and we we kind of saw, I take preseason kind of lightly, but we saw this offensive line struggle quite a bit in the preseason. And that's one of the big reasons why I'm not as high on this New York Jets offense as a lot of people are. I think the offensive line will take them as far as you know they can go and if they're not healthy or if they're not performing then i think this whole offense is going to struggle including Brees hall Mm -hmm. no i i like i said i i got him as a fade he's a great talented running back i think he's a good home for dynasty i don't expect much from him this year and i i or at the very least him to start off very slow while they see what they got in him so round five yeti who are you planting that flag in baby who are you saying you're coming home with me Capture the flag, baby. Mm. I'm taking you home, Justin Herbert. Jay Herb, Herbo. Quarterback for the Los Angeles Chargers. So I'm taking that Chargers stack if I can, basically in the fourth round with Keenan Allen. Fifth round, I'm coming back and I'm getting Justin Herbert. Um, in past episodes, I've gone in, I've gone um, into big rants on why I think the Chargers offense is going to be legit. And I think Justin Herbert last season – he struggled, man. Obviously, he he had rib injuries. He had injuries with Keenan Allen, with Mike Williams, with the whole offensive line. Hell, three offensive linemen were out at one point for Justin Herbert, so yeah. he didn't have much time. <clears throat> and I think Justin Herbert is in for a huge bounce-back season, and we're getting him kind of at his floor in the fifth round. I think he has top three upside this year, and I'm drafting him with confidence. Yeah, I don't hate that at all. I think, you know, we saw him struggle last year, and I think things are going to look a lot different for that Chargers offense. So he, uh, there's a lot of fantasy analysts that are saying he's going to win like MVP this season, and they really do believe that. And I think that there's a case for it. So this is where it's okay to draft a high level quarterback in the fifth round. Just don't do it in the second round. Uh, <laughs> my flag plant for the fifth round is DeAndre Hopkins. So getting D Hop in the fifth round is, uh, I think it's kind of criminal if you ask me to be honest. So I get it. He's an aging asset, but we're playing redraft fantasy football in this instance in getting a wide receiver that has the ability to finish in the top top 12. I mean, he's done it before. I just think that's great. It's a beautiful return on investment in the fifth round. He finished with 16.9 points per game last season. I get it. He struggled with his injury last season and then he also struggled with steroids to begin the season so there was some of that um and then his quarterback kyler murray also struggled with a little bit of injury so i mean there's a lot of a finger pointing you can do as to why he he didn't do great last season but when he was on the field he was he was electric and yes he's not with the, the cardinals anymore he went over to the titans look how much success A.J. Brown had with Ryan Tannehill. I don't think Ryan Tannehill is a great quarterback, but he was still able to certainly squeeze fantasy football production out of A.J. Brown. And you're telling me that he's not going to do the same with with D-Hop? Like, I think very clearly that is going to be the case. Getting D-Hop in the fifth round, I'm taking him every time if he's sitting there because I just love the value so much for what you can get for it. 
So, and at this point, you're getting a you're getting him as your wide receiver three, yeah. who has so much upside to be a weekly wide receiver one. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it's just it's criminal. I'm like, man, this is great. Like, I would love that if he fell that far to me. So, I'm targeting him. But who who are you fading in the fifth, Yeti? You know, I, I, this one is kind of for Trey Lance. I think this Damn. this one is out to my boy Trey, and I'm fading George Kittle, the tight end for the 49ers. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but in all honesty, George Kittle going in the fifth round is kind of suspect to me. Um, I know George Kittle and Brock Purdy; they had a little success towards the end of the season. But if you look at the overall picture there in the the 49ers offense, it's not very promising for George Kittle. In fact, in seven games with a healthy Debo Samuel and a healthy Christian McCaffrey, Kittle only saw 12% of the targets last season. 12. That's not enough volume to sustain where his current ADP is. Mm -hmm. He's getting drafted as the fourth tight end off the board right now. And I just don't love that. If you're not getting one of the first two tight ends, then you might as well wait till the later rounds or teaser, wait till my next pick in the next round. That was spicy. That was good. Little uh, little salt salt boy meme, salt guy meme. Uh, my fate in the the fifth round is Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce. He finishes RB twenty seven last season. What's interesting is he started the season slow. He built up to great fantasy football usage, kind of in the the middle of the season, and then he tapered off at the end of the season, and he finished pretty bad. So the Texans they signed Devin Singletary to a one year deal. I do think this is Damian Pierce's backfield overall, but I do think we start to see Singletary kind of sprinkled in and worked in there. And I don't know how much usage Singletary is going to have in there, but he was still on the field with the Bills at times as well. So you got that going on. I just, I think I'd be waiting on later rounds before I would look at somebody like him because the Texans, I just don't think they're going to be that great. I mean, they got a rookie quarterback which we'll talk about here in a little bit when it comes to rookie quarterback statistics, but it's not its not a good look for them. They're going to have to figure some stuff out there, and I, I don't think it's going to be done this season. Damian Pierce kind of scares me, and I, I'm avoiding him in the fifth. Yeah, and last year the big concern with Pierce was his catching, catching upside, mm-hmm. and I don't think they did any favors for fantasy owners this year in signing uh, Singletary as his backup, Agreed. who I think he has – better pass catching upside than Pierce does. So if Pierce is only a two down back and uh, Singletary comes in, well, there goes Pierce's PPR upside. So I completely agree with you here, Slaps. Thank you. I appreciate that. Round six. So I teased this last round. Give it to me. uh, I'm here to give you the goods now. Give it to me, baby. Uh, I'm going to give you the full steak meal here with Darren Waller, the tight end for Mm. your New York Giants. So Darren Waller, this guy has struggled with injuries the past couple of seasons, but it's, you know, as I said with Keenan Allen, I'm done predicting injuries. You know, at the end of the day, redrafting is a gamble. No matter how we look at it, we could say this guy is the healthiest person in the world and then he'll probably get hurt. That's just football. It's a gamble. Deal with it. We're here to draft upside at this current point and where Darren Waller is getting drafted in the sixth round. I think he has as much upside as Mark Andrews does at this current point. I'm not saying he's better than Mark Andrews. I just think that he could finish in the top three this season based off of the volume that Darren Waller is going to see in this offense. Daniel Jones is a dot. He's a low A dot type of guy. So that means 
Darren Waller is going to feast. He's going to get so and many different dot for those that do not know, means average depth of target. So it means that Daniel Jones does not throw the ball very far. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I know Darren Waller is not Stefan Diggs, but it's worth noting that the last time Brian, Brian Dable traded for an elite talent, it was Stefan Diggs. And we all know how that turned mm-hmm. out. So I like to make the comparison that Darren Waller is going to be uh, Daniel Jones's Stefan Diggs. So give me Darren Waller in the sixth round. I think he has tight end three upside. It was my fear when we were doing our, our draft. That was my biggest fear. I wanted Mark Andrews in the in the second, third round-ish, but I was okay not taking him if I could get Darren Waller that late, but you and I were back-to-back, and I didn't think there was a chance in hell I could get Darren Waller because <laughs> I, I agree. I think Darren, like, that is a criminal offense that he is that late for what the value on return could be. Like, I, I truthfully do believe that. Giants didn't really do much to upgrade their wide receiver room at all. I mean, they have they drafted Jalen Hyatt, and they have Wandale Robinson coming back from injury. Isaiah Hodgins, who is that? Like, there's just there's not a big notable person. And like you just mentioned, it, D- Daniel Jones is not throwing the ball very far. He's not throwing a 60 yard bomb down the field to a wide receiver. He's going to try and get it off quickly. And I love Darren Waller for that value. The only concern is, of course, you can't predict injury. Darren Waller has historically been injured quite a bit, so I kind of I ease my hand into it. But in the sixth round, I think that the value is there, and you have to take it if if you're looking for an elite-level tight end. So my sixth-round flag plant is none other than DJ Moore. I love getting me some DJ Moore in the sixth round. If you have been a longtime listener of this show, you know how much I love DJ Moore. He's been incredibly consistent. In the last or in the three out of the five seasons he's played in the NFL, he's finished with over 1,100 yards. He's had a different quarterback every single year that he's played in the NFL, and he is now tied to Justin Fields, who is arguably the best quarterback that he's had since he's been in the league. I understand that Justin Fields' arm, there's been a lot of arguments that he's a terrible thrower, but I expect Justin Fields to take strides to be better as a quarterback, and I think this could plant DJ Moore in. in Potentially a top 12 finish yet. He is kind of like, I, I think that's in the realm of possibility. I love the value of DJ Moore and what he means for the Bears organization. They've struggled to find a wide receiver one because Darnell Mooney is not a wide receiver one. They didn't really have a lot of wide receivers last season. They made the trade in the offseason to go get a wide receiver one that is DJ Moore. And I, I love the opportunity for him to uh, to come in and, and hopefully be their AJ Brown or their Stefan Diggs, the guy that they need him to be for this offense to take the next step forward. And I think that that's, that's obviously why they went and got him. So I'm excited for him. I think this is a year that we finally get to see DJ more shine. I hope so. And if you listen to these quarterbacks that he's played with over the past five seasons, there's eight of them. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Eight, eight different quarterbacks Holy in hell. the past five years. So Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, PJ Walker, Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater, Kyle Allen, Will Greer, and Taylor Heineke. Yikes. And yet this guy still finishes as a wide receiver two on a yearly basis. And he's going to an offense that is probably the best offense that he's been on in the past five years. So um, there's a lot of concerns with run heavy approach, obviously. But I think this offense is going to have to be different this year. I agree. And now they gave Justin Fields a perfect weapon to complement him. And we're not going to see, you know, only 22 pass attempts per game. 
we might see 30 pass attempts per game, which is only going to help DJ Moore's case. And if you get him in the sixth round, sign me up, baby. Congrats. Sign me up. I, I could not be more excited to get him in the sixth round for the upside that he possesses. But who is somebody that you're kind of avoiding in the sixth round? Yeah, so I'm buying DJ Moore if I can, but I'm getting rid of Jerry Judy. I think he's a bomb waiting to happen on anybody's team at this current juncture. And I'm not saying that just because of his hamstring injury. Obviously, hamstring injuries tend to linger throughout the season sometimes. But I just think with this Broncos offense, there's too many mouths to feed. Um, I know the eye test leans you towards Jerry Judy as far as who is the elite wide receiver in that offense. But I personally like Cortland Sutton, who's going later. He, I got him in the 11th round in our draft last last night, which I think he has tremendous upside. Um, if you look at their target shares, Cortland Sutton was right there with Jerry Judy. I think only le- it was less than 10 targets separated the two last season. And this offense is going to be a little different with Sean Payton running the show. But I think Cor- Cortland Sutton is still going to demand the ball in this offense. And I think... Jerry Judy potentially being out for the first few weeks is only going to benefit Sutton's relationship with Russell Wilson. So sign me up or uh, rather uh, throw Jerry Judy off my list. <laughs> He's going to blow up on your bench. So you I, also, I also have Jerry Judy, but I am not as skeptical on him as you are. I think I got him in the seventh round. Really what deters me from Jerry Judy is the fact that he is struggling with some injury and he's not starting the season on the pup list, which we we talked about at the beginning of the episode. But I I think that the Broncos are going to kind of proceed with caution for Jerry Judy because he is their wide receiver one. I do think he will miss a couple games. I, I, I was fine getting him in the seventh round just because I started kind of looking at who what my team needed at that point and I needed a wide receiver. And I was like, well... In the sixth round, I had we we are in a keeper league, so the structure is a little different. But I was like, I need another wide receiver. Jerry Judy is what I believe to still be the wide receiver one for this team, and I'm willing to take a chance on on him in the seventh round. In the sixth round, if you're looking at kind of some of the other players, I'm I'm not touching Jerry Judy. But if he kind of he fell to me where he did, and I was fine with it, so I I don't hate Jerry Judy in the seventh and the sixth. I just there's other people that I think are much more talented or have a much higher ceiling than Jerry Judy does rather. So, and I'm not biased at all because I'm a Raiders fan. I'm there's no bias <laughs> at all with saying fuck Denver, but no, I like, I just want to let that be. Clear. I think that Denver's going to be better this year. I really do. I think that Sean Payton could have went to a couple different teams. He went there for a reason, as we've said before on the show. So I think that overall, it's not the worst case scenario for, for, drafting Broncos players this year because you got burned last year a little bit when you drafted any of them but I feel much more comfortable drafting most of the Broncos players this upcoming season than I did last year now if you were drafted Cortland Sutton in the eighth round we'd have to have a conversation but where you got him at yeah no I, I that's fine by me I think that's great value so um round seven who are you playing that flag in baby who are you taking home so we're getting into the rounds of uh you know these aren't going to be your league winners by any means but they're going to probably play a good uh you know part in your championship season so cam Akers, this is a guy Mm. that i want on any Mm. team that i can get say it one more time Um, for everybody who didn't hear it cam Akers. so not only is he in bed with sean mcfay's wife he might be in bed with slaps i love this big hot take but Anyway, we all know the crazy season that Cam Akers had last season. 
a lot of rumors with him and Sean McVay and being in the dog uh dog house there we go um but mcveigh's house with his wife mcveigh's house yeah (laughs) in the backyard i guess um but damn did he come on late in the season you know when sean mcveigh handed over the keys to cam Akers, he ran away with it he was the fourth running back in ppr points in the last six games of the season Average 17 carries, 85 yards, and a touchdown per game in those last six games, which is insane. Now, he did all this without Stafford. He did this without Cooper Cup. And he did this without three starting of offensive linemen, which is insane to me because now all these guys are coming back healthy. All the linemen are back. Stafford is reportedly, you know, he's looking like Stafford. And Cooper Cup is back. So this offense... While it took a big step backwards and Cam Akers kind of, you know, he was the only bright spot. I think this offense is just going to take off even more this season with the parts coming back. And with that being said, Cam Akers is the workhorse on a potential top 10 offense. So sign me up, Cam Akers, in the seventh round. And as we said before, I mean, Sean McVay historically is a one running back kind of guy. So mm-hmm. that's that's Cam Akers. That that is who it's Daryl Henderson's not there. It's Cam Akers, and that's this is his opportunity. So I wanted to choose Cam Akers. You got to him before I did. Cam Akers is very easily my flag plant for round seven. But I kind of went with another idea here because I I wanted to kind of talk about another guy that that potentially I would be looking at as well, and that's James Conner, man. So how often do you get a starting running back in the seventh round? He's a three-round back. Obviously, Cam Akers is as well. So, But the, the Cardinals are not slated to be good this season. As a resident Cardinals fan, I know that. But someone has to move the damn ball around. James Conner, he is a three-down back. And and I, I really like the opportunity that, that he could provide here. He's an RB2. And if Cam Akers is off the board, James Conner is the other running back that I'm grabbing in this round because the opportunity is there for him for fantasy football production. He is a three-down back, and I, I, while I don't expect the Cardinals to be good by any stretch of the means, he was certainly usable last season. And as as an RB two, I would be very comfortable taking taking James Conner. And the I don't know what the Cardinals are doing. I just We're gonna I feel t- so uh, bad for you over the left. <laughs> It's funny. So let's wait and have the same conversation one round in one round, okay? Because I okay, want to do I do want to have this conversation, but we'll we'll press forward for the moment and let's talk about our landmines. So who did you bring as your landmine for round seven? Who are you not looking to touch? Um, so I don't have a lot of notes about this guy, but I think he's worth talking about because he's getting drafted way too early for my liking, and that's DeAndre Swift. Um I think DeAndre Swift, he he had a better role when he was with Detroit than he does with Philly, which is kind of crazy to say because Philly has a much better offensive line. Well, I guess they're about even, however you want to look at it. But that running offense is a lot better for DeAndre Swift, and he is the guy there. But historically, if you look at this team, they haven't committed to one running back. Last year was the exception with Miles Sanders, but this year we're going to see a committee with the running backs. We're going to see Kenneth Gainwell kind of rotated in there even more. Um, They have DeAndre Swift, obviously, but then they have Rashad Penny too. So not only do we have to worry about Rashad Penny potentially stealing goal line carries, but we have Jalen Hurts there as well, who is the scrum king, you know, the one-yard pushing that they do that we all love. Um, So I just have a hard time seeing DeAndre Swift having any real fantasy relevance, especially in the seventh round when we can get guys like James Conner or Cam Akers. 
Is there any concern that would you rather have Rashad Penny than Swift? I wouldn't want any running back, but if I had to choose, I I wouldn't. I'd rather have Penny, okay, just because I I believe he's going to be their short yardage guy. Gotcha. Yeah, like you mentioned, I mean Jalen Hurts is the scrum lord, so I would be concerned with taking any running back for the Eagles because that's not how they operate their offense. It does not flow through a running back; it flows through Jalen Hurts, and so I don't think you can consistently count on any of the running backs. But if I had to choose one, it would be Rashad Penny. So. I, I I think that's fair. My flag or my landmine, excuse me, is Michael Pittman. Pity City, baby. Mm. I, I have some pity for him. So Pity City oh, is my nice. do not touch for this upcoming season, at least in the seventh round anyway, because he's playing with a rookie quarterback. So a lot of people but Slapdog, Richardson is an athletic freak. Sure he is. But he has a lot of development that needs to be done in throwing the ball. So while Michael Pittman is the wide receiver one for this team, I went and did a little bit of digging, got my shovel out, and I dug quite a hole. There's only ever been two wide receivers in the history of the NFL to finish in the top 24 with a rookie quarterback. Okay. That being Jarvis Landry with Baker Mayfield, which sounds insane when I say that, and the other one being your stack of Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert when Justin Herbert was a rookie. So I'm not willing to take the risk with Pittman going into the season with Anthony Richardson, who has constantly been criticized for not being able to throw the ball effectively. Um, There's a lot of red flags there. And if I I just don't want to screw around with getting Michael Pittman and then debating every single week, if I need to start him or sit him, the statistics do not look great in, in history has proven that that is the case with the rookie quarterback. So I am fading Michael Pittman in the seventh round. You know, I threw my left jab earlier. I'm going to throw my right jab just a little bit. Just feel you out even more here. Um, You know, I, I don't think Anthony Richardson is, you know, he's not going to be an elite passer by any means, but in in preseason, I thought it was very interesting that we saw this offense kind of look like a college offense in the sense that they, they did a lot of RPOs. They did a lot of hurry up, which is great. Like that's what you want to do with Anthony Richardson. That doesn't help his passing upside. But what I did notice is that Pittman is going to be a target machine. If, if preseason is any indication of what to expect, you know, for the regular season, then I mean, Last season, Pittman was getting 130 targets. I think he could probably get to that number again, especially if Jonathan Taylor is out. And I know defenses can key more on you know on the running game or whatever. They're still going to have to pepper somebody with targets, and it's kind of similar to like the Hollywood Brown situation that we talk about a little bit. Whereas you know somebody's got to move the ball. I think Pittman's got to be that guy, and I'm not saying like. I hate your take or anything, but if if Pittman is getting it. as many targets as 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 I think he will, like in the seventh round, okay, you know, wide receiver three or four at this point, okay, I get it. Like I'll take a flag on that. Okay, let's uh, let's make a bet. I we've okay. I've started to keep a stat sheet for end of season finishes, and we are taking bets if certain players do certain things. So. I'm going to do you think Michael Pittman finishes top 24 this season? Uh, I'll say he finishes 25. Well, well, I'm sorry, what was that? 
25. 25. Okay, so you do have him also finishing outside the top 24. Yeah. Okay, so do I. That's fine. Then we're both in agreement there. But I will still put it on the bet sheet, and we'll see if we're right or not. I, I just I don't see a path where there's just a lot of red flags for me. I mean that's what it, that's what it boils down to is it Anthony Richardson is it scares me and I do think he potentially could be a very good quarterback and I think that he landed in the best place that he could have. Like if he would have landed in a lot of other places, I think it really would have sucked for him. But him getting paired with Shane Steichen, 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 Steichen. Steichen. I, I love that pairing because. He already knows what to do with with a quarterback, a, a prototypical quarterback like Anthony Richardson. That is what Jalen Hurts was, and he knew how to develop him. And we saw, we've seen Jalen Hurts now take that that next step into excellence. So, I love the fact that he's there, and I think he will develop. But it's going to take time, and that's what I'm concerned mm-hmm. with. So, I'm fading Michael Pittman. And and if you want to take that jab on me, I will gladly stick my chin out. But I'm just I'm a little scared. So that's that's why I have him on that that fade for round seven. Round eight. This is the last round. Yeti, who are you playing your flag in? Let's bring it home. Let's bring it home. Bring it home with Rashad White, running back for Tampa Bay. Um, obviously, we talked about we talked about uh, Najee being very inefficient last season. So was Rashad White in his first season. You look at his his efficiency numbers among starting running backs. He was not great. But the thing that I like about getting Rashad White in the eighth round potentially is the amount of volume he's going to see. He is in line to see one of the largest opportunity shares in the league in a very interesting offense. Obviously, last season, um, Tom Brady was there, but they had a lot of offensive line issues. They also, it's weird, a lot of these teams had three offensive linemen go down. And so did Tampa Bay. They were among the, the other two teams that I spoke about mm-hmm. earlier. Um, so this offensive line should be a little bit better, which in turn should benefit Rashad White. But the, but the thing that I really like is that playoff line is no longer there. Um, and Rashad White is going to see all the receptions from Baker Mayfield, who is also a check down king. Not as good as Tom Brady. Wow. But, um, is anybody Baker's as good as Tom Brady? Debate. Okay debatable but i think rashad white has one of the largest opportunity shares in the league and that excites me in the eighth round so i'll take a stab at it it's funny i almost kept him in our keeper league and i i I, like looking back i think i should have um i had a great i mean he was like a 13th round keep for me and oh yeah i should have done it but i didn't here we are no i love i love rashad white and i i just want to point out something to everybody who's listening to this episode if you're going to take wide receivers early like I mentioned, like my strategy, taking two good wide receivers in the first round, maybe even three if, if the opportunity is there. The running backs that we mentioned in these last few rounds are the people you need to target to win your league if you go with that early wide receiver strategy. You're looking for somebody like James Conner or Cam Akers or Rashad White. These are running backs that have opportunity to succeed. Are they going to be your Derrick Henry? No, they are not. But what you are doing is banking that your three wide receivers are going to be incredible and you can get RB2 production out of these guys. And I think you certainly, there's an argument to be made for all three of these guys that you can get RB2 production out of them because the opportunity is there and they're on the field often. So Rashad White, he was my flag plant. Um, But like I said, I'm trying to to make some pivots and talk about some other guys here. So I love that take Getty. I am also targeting him if he is available because that the opportunity alone is just too juicy to pass up. So my flag plant is Hollywood Brown. So 
as the resident Cardinals fan, I I have zero idea what the fuck that they are doing. As, as you were talking, I I don't. I mean, we traded Isaiah Simmons away, and then we traded to get Joshua Dobbs. We're projected to be the worst team in the NFL, and there's a lot of the murmurs of tanking for Caleb Williams. So I and who knows? I I don't know. I wish I did, and it's a very weird situation. But what I do know is that last season Hollywood Brown was a top five wide receiver on the season with Kyler Murray for the first six weeks before DeAndre Hopkins got back. So while Kyler was healthy and Hopkins was suspended, Hollywood Brown ate a lot. And I I don't know when Kyler Murray is going to be back. He starts the season on the pup list, so he's out for bare minimum the first four games. But getting Hollywood that late, he is still the wide receiver one for this team. And whenever Kyler comes back, Hollywood has the opportunity to feast a shit ton. So you're not going to get production out of him to start the season out. But if you can have him just sit on your bench and you close your eyes and you just cross your fingers that Kyler Murray comes back sooner rather than later, I think Hollywood Brown is a no-brainer for me in the eighth round. Do you think Kyler Murray plays at all? I see, and I that's what I that's the risk that you're taking here. And I'm glad that you asked that question because when I said I don't know what the fuck the Cardinals are doing. That's kind of what I alluded to. I I don't know. I don't understand. And they really haven't been very vocal about it. It's a little alarming, the Joshua Dobbs trade. And I don't. it's not alarming enough for me to hit the panic button. But, like, is there is there a world in which no NFL team is going to sit there and say that they're tanking? No NFL team is going to admit to that. Does it happen behind closed doors? I know that there are conversations that happen. You want me to go get Brian Flores and we can have a conversation with him? Like, it... Be, Yikes. Those things are happening probably. Now, to the realism, these players are playing to get paid for their next contract, so they're not going to to purposefully tank. But what I, I don't know. I don't know. There I think there could be a chance that Kyler just sits out for the year. They try and trade him and get Caleb Williams. I don't know. So that is worth pointing out. If Kyler Murray sits, I don't think that bodes well for Hollywood Brown. I think Hollywood could be one of those guys that gets traded midseason as well, too, just because I believe he has two years left on his contract and he has one of the, you know, a contract that's movable, yeah. if you will, and he might have more value. So in the eighth round, if he does get traded, like you're getting a wide receiver one, um, obviously for Arizona, but he could potentially go to a better situation at some point in the season. And Which I'm fine with. This whole team, I- I'm... I'm about at my wits end with the Cardinals. I don't like Jonathan Gannon, the new sign there. I They haven't done anything that's excited me, and I just I'm, – I'm very pessimistic of the future, and that's a sad place to be as, a, as an NFL fan of a team. Hey, I, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, neither of us are looking good. World. So it is yeah. what it is. But who, who are you – who's your landmine in this last round here, buddy? I couldn't let you shit on the Chiefs alone. So <laughs> I brought – Isaiah Pacheco as my uh, landmine to close out the episode. Um, Isaiah Pacheco obviously came on the scene last season as a rookie and kind of exploded um, either from doing cocaine or just (laughs) (laughs) from getting the starting line. I don't know. Um, But the reason why I'm fading Isaiah Pacheco is because this offense, it runs a committee system. Isaiah Pacheco is going to be the guy to run the ball between the tackles on first and second down. Jarek McKinnon is going to come in 
third down and he's going to catch the passes or Jarek McKinnon comes in and in crunch time or, you know, two minute offenses, whereas Pacheco goes off the field. So he has very little PPR upside for me. And I think if he doesn't see, you know, any, any further targets in that offense, then I, I don't see his, him top topping, touching the, the top 24. Mm. I also have Isaiah Pacheco as my landmine this round. For, and I, I think you might have copied my notes a little bit. Like, it, you look at it. I, I, it's funny. I even put the, the drug joke in there. I was like, I don't know if he's doing bath salts <laughs> and cocaine at the same time. But here's the thing. I, I love, as, as, as a huge fan of just watching NFL games, Isaiah Pacheco is so much fun to watch. He is electric to watch with the ball in his hands because he is like I said, he's he looks like he's doing bath salts and coke together, and then he's just running as hard as he can, and it's really fun. It's fun to watch. But my biggest issue is that this Chiefs offense it flows through Patrick Mahomes. This Chiefs offense is a pass first team. They are not like the historical Browns handing the ball off to Nick Chubb in on you know the first down. Like this this offense flows through Patrick Mahomes and. The issue being is Isaiah Pacheco has been, as you just mentioned, very limited in the passing game. Jarek McKinnon, if I was to pick a, a running back that I wanted to own, Jarek McKinnon is way later in the draft. He'd be the guy I'd be looking to target because he has the PPR upside, and that's where Pacheco really hurts. So I, I completely agree with you. Isaiah Pacheco in the eighth round is not somebody that I'm remotely interested in because I just don't see a path to success for him in the future for fantasy football production. So. We did have a question before we get the hell out of here. So he said, this is scan my pics, video, and photo transfer services. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck this is. Sounds legit. Sounds legit. But he says, question for you both. In a two-quarterback league, it's a 10-team redraft, would you drop a quarterback early or a running back wide receiver? I think they meant to say, would you draft? Well, we're not drafting a quarterback early. Well, I guess this is a super flex league. This yeah, super flex. I think you almost have I think to you do, at yeah. that point. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you do as well. If if you were in a super flex league, the quarterback situation changes dramatically. In a one quarterback league, you're waiting to draft a quarterback. But here, those top tier quarterbacks certainly make a difference because the disparity between quarterback 10 and quarterback 20 is very big. So yeah, I think you are drafting, drafting quarterbacks early and often. Now, once you kind of get past those elite quarterbacks, like when you get to Dak Prescott... Like he's he's kind of where I draw the line where maybe you start to look for other people. Is that fair to say? I think, I mean, I'm higher on Lamar Jackson than most people, but I would go probably Josh Allen, Mahomes, Hertz, and then Lamar Jackson, and then after those four are gone, I'm probably taking the best available position player, which is going to be JJ. Okay, and then what, at what point do you go back and you get your Joe Burrow or your second round? Okay. Well, there's your answer. Scan my picks and photo transfer them. Um, that's it, Yeti. Appreciate the question. Yeah, appreciate the question, man. Thank you. Uh, and that's all the time we got, buddy. So unless there's anything else that we need to quickly discuss, we can get the hell out of here. Happy drafting season, guys. Amen. Drop us your teams. Let yeah. us rate your teams. Yeah. So shoot us over Let's your teams on uh, on over Twitter, on Leatherbrains, or on Instagram. We're there as well. And we're also on YouTube. If you guys would go give us a subscribe on YouTube, it would certainly mean the world. And check out our website, leatherbrains.com. We have a new article coming out from our intern. He wrote a wonderful article for draft season. So go check that out as well. It should be out tomorrow, So which today is 
the 30th, so 31st, I believe, it's coming out. So go check that out. Yeti, we are out. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.